Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Doing are wonderful. you? I think so. Yeah. No, I mean, like, good. I'm yeah. glad to hear it. Real thrilled. Know. Sometimes when we start recording, even though I know we're about to start recording, it still almost feels like it catches me off guard. And I'm like, oh, yeah. That's what we're doing here. Oh, yeah. How how am I doing? It's very um, introspective. Right. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like I should be sitting on a couch and explaining to someone how I'm feeling. That's right. how I feel here. It's so warm again. We're back on the weather. We are back on our weather talk. It's so warm. Mosquitoes aplenty. I've oh, done yes. everything everyone has given me. I'm taking the vitamins. I have a spray. I have a balm, B-A-L-M. Yeah, B A L M. I have like a mosquito thing you can like hook up that like sits by you and it's supposed to emit some kind of things where they 30 mosquitoes today. I was painting something outside. 30 mosquito bites. Nothing. I'm just so nothing delicious. Works. I know. Nothing mm. works. I've heard of people doing like the simplest thing like putting dryer sheets in their pockets. Have you ever tried that one? I have. I haven't done it recently. The, oh, the other one I saw on TikTok, of course, was Irish Spring Soap. Like somebody put it on the outside of their house, but I don't have a problem with it in my house. It's the second I walk outside. So maybe I start taking Irish Spring Baths. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I will do just about anything. 
Um, so, so we'll see what happens, but yeah, this is why Mandy loves this time of the year and I'm so happy for you, but I'm ticked. I'm, I'm going to be mad until about January because all of my skin will be eaten by these stupid blood suckers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't really have anything to follow (laughs) that up with. (laughs) So anyway, that's, yeah, that's where we are. Uh, happy March, almost April. Happy April, everyone, right? Yeah, yes. almost April, or I guess, is it April? It, I don't know. It will be April, I think. The other day, uh, my youngest son, we were in the car on the way home from school, and he started asking me like when April 1st was. Specifically, he wanted to know what day it was going to be on and right. how, how many days away it was. And I was like, why do you want to know that? So now, I don't know. I, I feel like he might be planning oh. some kind of a trick on me. He really wanted to know. He wanted to be sure. So I was like, I don't know if I should tell you. <laughs> right? Well, my son has been talking about that and pranking my husband, but I'll be away for a volleyball thing with my daughter. So he's like, I want to plan where our dad thinks World War Three is happening. Can you help me come up with something <laughs> on the computer that will like flash? I was like, buddy, that's like a big plan and also terrifying. He's like, I mean, he, if you can help me make a, um, he's like, I can make an app. I'm like, all right, we need to, why don't we make him eat something weird? <laughs> like, <laughs> why do we have to worry about World War Three? So I hope you're safe. And I hope that World War Three, um, if, if something comes up that says World War Three on April 1st, it's, it's probably my son. Yeah, there you go. Good luck to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And so cute. I love his adorable. <laughs> Not concerning at all. No. He's he's so much fun, but I was like, "Wow, we jumped all the way past, you know, like water spraying <laughs> at you to ending the world." Thanks, It's bud. funny. I know I actually told my kids, um, "Please do not do any pranks on me that require me to eat something weird because I just don't want to eat anything weird." Yeah. No, I get it. I I like to have a heads up. I'll do whatever they have, but like I like to know ahead of time or get some kind of. I'll probably have to purchase whatever it is for them to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll be good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So the story that we have this week is one that hits close to home uh, for us, and that's because it happened right here in Central Florida, and it's a story that made national headlines in 2009. So having grown up in the Central Florida area and lived here really the majority of my life, there have unfortunately been several cases of missing women that have really stood out over those years. Jennifer Kessie's disappearance in 2006 was one of the first true crime stories I really started following as a young woman myself, and the reality of it happening in the same area that I actually lived in at that time was actually really terrifying for me. I had just kind of moved out of living at my parents' house and was living on my own for the first time when this happened. And um, so it was really scary for me. And if you um, have not heard the Jennifer Cassie story, there's a really great podcast that actually breaks that whole story down. It's called Unconcluded. So if you want to check that out, um, you can go check that one out. But today we're talking about another woman in Central Florida that went missing three years after Jennifer in a different part of the Orlando area. 27-year-old Tracy Ocasio went missing on May 26, 2009, and as we approach the 14-year anniversary of her disappearance, the case remains open and technically unsolved. Tracy has never been found, nor have her personal belongings, including her car keys, wallet, or cell phone. On the night of Tracy's disappearance, she had plans to meet some friends of hers at a local bar called the Florida Tap Room in the Metro West area of Orlando. Tracy left her parents' home in Ocoee and headed out to watch the Orlando Magic take on the Cleveland Cavaliers, but she told her mom that she planned on coming back that night after the game was over. 
At the tap room, Tracy and her friends cheered on our local team alongside fellow fans, and when the Orlando Magic won the game, everybody decided to stick around a little bit longer to celebrate. Tracy hung out with her friends until about 1 o'clock in the morning when she left to head home for the night. The next morning, Tracy's mom, Liz, woke up at around 6.30 and quietly made her way to Tracy's room to check on her and just make sure she made it home safely. Liz was surprised and a little concerned when she saw that Tracy was actually not in her bed and she couldn't find her in the house at all. She sent a text asking Tracy where she was, but she figured Tracy must have just been out late or maybe she drank a little bit too much to drive, so she may have stayed with a friend instead of coming home. Even though Liz wasn't expecting to get an immediate response so early in the morning, when 8 o'clock rolled around and Tracy still hadn't responded, Liz started to become really worried. So she called Tracy's phone at 8 o'clock and then again at 10 a.m., but she didn't get an answer either time. So Liz tried to call the one friend that she thought Tracy would have stayed with if she had stayed out for the whole night. And when that friend said they didn't know where she was either, then Liz started calling around two other friends. None of them had any idea where Tracy was. At this point, Liz was really getting worried, and she started to call around the local hospitals, the jail, and even the morgue looking for her daughter, but she didn't have any luck. Even though it was really not like Tracy to disappear without notice or to ignore calls and texts, her mom didn't really want to panic or sound the alarm too quickly. After all, Tracy is a 27-year-old woman, so she doesn't exactly have to check in with her parents, but Liz still thought, you know, it was really strange, but she thought she would figure out where Tracy was on her own. Tracy's dad, Joe, was actually out of town on a business trip at this time, so Liz was really on her own trying to figure all of this out. As the hours went by, Liz only got more worried, but she kept hoping that Tracy had just gone to a friend's house and that she was going to come back anytime. Tracy was born on August 10th, 1981. She was an only child to her parents, Liz and Joe, and she quickly became daddy's little girl. From an early age, Tracy was really outgoing, and she was someone that could really make friends in any setting. Her parents also said that she was very open and trusting, and she tended to actually trust people very quickly. The Ocasio family lived in Virginia when Tracy was younger, but they would often visit Florida for beach vacations. So during the summer before Tracy's senior year, her dad actually was transferred to the Orlando area. So they all made the move to Central Florida, where they settled in Ocoee. The move was really hard for Tracy, I imagine. Leaving right before your senior year, that's going to be really tough. She's leaving her school, she's leaving her friends behind, and starting a new school, literally your last year of school, that's that's going to be rough. And to make things worse, the high school in Florida actually required more credits than the school that she had been to in Virginia. So she basically had to start going to school full-time instead of part-time like she had been doing previously. So she ended up deciding not to continue high school in Florida and opted out to get her GED instead. During this time, she's working in various restaurants and retail stores while she continues to live with her parents until she was able to get a place of her own. So at some point after moving to Florida, Tracy and her dad started attending Orlando Magic Games together, and Tracy really loved this. She was a huge fan, and she was out there cheering as loudly as possible and just having a really good time at these games. But when Tracy wasn't able to attend the games in person, the next best thing was for her to watch the game at her favorite local hangout, the Florida Tap Room. Tracy was a regular there, and she was a known patron to the bar. 
it's the kind of place where the crowd is kind of always the same there. And so she knew basically everyone and she would kind of float around from table to table, talking to everyone and really just enjoying the friendly atmosphere. When Tracy was in her mid-20s, she started thinking about her future and she decided to start making some changes so that she'd be able to move out of her parents' house, maybe start a career and start a family. So she began taking classes at a local community college and in the meantime, she actually turned one of her hobbies into a moneymaker and that was that she began making jewelry and being able to sell it online. As an adult, Tracy was very close with her parents, particularly her mom, and they would speak often when Tracy wasn't at home. So when Tracy didn't come home after a typical night at the tap room, her mom had reason to be concerned. So finally, after not hearing from Tracy all day that day, the phone rang at the Ocasio home at around 7 p.m. When Liz answered, it was a police officer, and he was looking for Tracy. So Liz told the officer that she was actually Tracy's mom and asked why he was looking for her. She explained that she was actually also looking for Tracy and had been worried about her whereabouts all day long. The officer then told Liz that Tracy's yellow Chevy Cobalt had been found abandoned in the front yard of someone's property on Franklin Street in Ocoee. The car was unlocked, but the keys were not inside and neither was Tracy's wallet or phone. The officer told Liz that he just needed someone to come move Tracy's car. And the property that it was found on was just a few miles from the Ocasio home. So Liz was able to head over there right away. At this point, she's extremely confused. She doesn't really know what's going on. All she knows is, I've been looking for my daughter all day. The police have found her car in some random person's front yard. What in the world is going on? But you know, it's got to be weird for her like to have told the officer... I've been trying to find my daughter as well. And he's just like, okay, I just need you to come get this. Like he's not showing any real concern that she's not at the house. With her vehicle, yeah. So it makes sense that her mom would be like, okay, you know, maybe like trying not to overthink it, trying not to worry too much that she could kind of be like, well, if the officer is not freaking out that this is so out of a – out of the ordinary than than I shouldn't be. That's how I kind of took this. Yeah, I do th- kind of think that's a little surprising that the officer wasn't like, well, something might we might need yeah, to like call some things. more, yeah, some mm-hmm. some more help and look into this a little further. So when Liz got to Tracy's car, she noticed right away that both of the front seats were pushed all the way forward, as if somebody had been in the back and had to be let out that way. Liz said, "You of course can't drive with the seats pushed up as far as they were." So she found this to be really strange. After getting back home with the car, Liz called her husband, Joe, and told him about everything that had happened that day, and they agreed after talking that they should report Tracy missing. When Liz told the detectives about everything, they started searching for Tracy right away. Tracy's last known location was the Florida Tap Room, so the Orlando Police Department was placed in charge of this investigation. At the Tap Room, a bartender confirmed that Tracy had been there the night before, but they said that Tracy didn't seem to be acting out of the ordinary and there was really nothing strange about that night. The detectives obtained the surveillance video from the bar and they began watching the tapes, specifically focusing on the time after the basketball game ended and leading up to the point when Tracy left. At about 1.30 a.m., Tracy was seen on surveillance leaving the tap room with a man. This man was quickly able to be identified as James Virgil Hathaway, and this is a man that Tracy had met only about a week earlier at the same bar. So they were really just new acquaintances. They weren't exactly friends. 
It was soon learned that James did have an extensive criminal history, dating back to when he was still a minor. As a juvenile, he was convicted of kidnapping and bodily injury in Hillsborough County, and as an adult, he'd been convicted of DUI, reckless driving, drug possession, and more. At the time of Tracy's disappearance, James's most recent arrest was in April of 2009, which was about a month before, for criminal mischief. He was actually out on bail at the time he was seen leaving the bar with Tracy. And side note for this, this criminal mischief charge in this case was that James had allegedly punched the side of a van that wasn't his. And so he ended up actually going to trial for this charge, but he was later found not guilty. It was also learned that James had been interviewed by police before in connection with another missing person. So in February 2009, just a couple months before Tracy disappeared, a friend of James's named Chris George went missing. In Chris's case, on February 11th, he spent the day with two of his friends. One of the friends was James Hadaway, and the other guy was a friend named Tyler. So at about 6 p.m. that evening, Chris spoke on the phone to his girlfriend, but after that, no one knows exactly what happened to him. The next day, the officer saw James and Tyler leaving the woods near Lake Carter in Apopka. And so the officers see them, they stop them and ask what they're doing, and they tell the officer that they're looking for their friend Chris. They said that he had apparently run into the woods while he was on hallucinogens and said they hadn't been able to find him yet. Officers started a search of the area and found Chris's car abandoned off Okoe Apopka Road, which is right next to Lake Carter, and it looked like the car had been driven off the roadway. So when James and Tyler were asked to provide more information, they said that they had been driving around in Chris's car and they were all doing drugs. They then pulled over near the lake and Chris allegedly got out of the car, ran into the woods, and that's when James and Tyler lost him. They said that they tried to search for him, but they couldn't find him, so then they left. They were too afraid of getting caught with these drugs in the car, so they ended up taking the car, cleaning it out, and then returning it to the woods by the lake. So as they're leaving from the woods, from dropping this car back off, that's when police see them. Which is kind of a wild story that your friend is gone. I get that they would be concerned about the drugs and stuff, but like to move the car's location... Yeah, to come back to clean it out, like not just to remove it, but to right they to drive it, it away out. and then take it back. Yeah, a whole that's car. A, yeah, that's a yeah, <laughs> a whole car. <laughs> exactly. So James actually changed his story several times while speaking with the police, which made them really suspicious of their story. Eventually, though, both men refused to speak to them anymore, and so investigators ended up searching with a helicopter and four-wheelers in the area, but they were never able to find Chris. He was still missing at the time that Tracy disappeared. And we still have so much more to get into this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Hello, fellow tired people. Are you sick of waking up feeling like you've been camping in the Sahara Desert? Well, say goodbye to sweaty nights and say hello to sleep me. As an adult, there's nothing I love more than a good night's sleep, but living in Florida is kind of like sleeping in a sauna nine months out of the year, and that's where sleep me comes in, the new home for chilly sleep. It's like a personal AC for your bed. I've been using it for years, and I'm cooler than a cucumber in a snowstorm. I'm not entirely sure what that even means, but I think you get the idea. Sleep Me makes the coldest sleep systems available, which makes me a very satisfied and cool customer. 
SleepMe just launched the Doc Pro sleep system with new Hyper AI, and it keeps you cool all night long like a polar bear in the Arctic. And with the SleepMe app, you can track your sleep temperature in real time, just like a NASA scientist. I used to sleep hot like a firework in a Katy Perry song, but since using SleepMe, I sleep through the night and I'm not waking up feeling gross and sweaty. So don't be a sweaty mess. Join the SleepMe party and wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day. Head over to sleep.me slash moms to learn more and save 25% off the purchase of any new Doc Pro, Uller, or Cube Sleep System. This offer is available exclusively for Moms and Mysteries listeners and only for a limited time. That's sleep, S-L-E-E-P dot me, M-E slash moms to take advantage of our exclusive discounts and wake up refreshed every day. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about the story of a missing Orlando woman named Tracy Ocasio, who was last seen leaving a bar called the Florida Tap Room on May 26th, 2009. And she was last seen leaving with a man that they later identified as James Hathaway. So the police start looking into him and realizing that he does have a little bit of a criminal history. He is known to law enforcement. He's actually been um, involved in, well, involved with another person, one of his friends who is a missing person at this time. And so they're thinking, we really need to keep our eyes on this guy. So the day after Tracy was last seen, detectives went to James's home in Ocoee to ask him some questions regarding Tracy. He told them that he had met her at the bar and that he asked her to give him a ride home, which she agreed to do. He said the plan was for them to go back to his house to smoke marijuana. But after he showed her the stuff he had, she didn't like it. So she left his house around 2 a.m. And he said that was the last time that he had seen or heard from her. 
James's story didn't exactly add up or match the evidence that the police had already collected, including that her car was found abandoned on Franklin Street, which happens to be the same road that the entrance to James's neighborhood is off of. So the entrance of the neighborhood was only about 150 yards from where Tracy's car was found, and officers, of course, were questioning why she would leave James's house and travel such a short distance and then just abandon her car there. Like, it didn't really make any sense right. to them. So since this new information showed that Tracy's last known location was actually in Ocoee and not in Orlando, the case was handed off to the Ocoee investigators to continue looking into it. Ocoee police brought James in for their own questioning, and he was interviewed for about four hours. The story he gave was the same one that he told the Orlando police, that he got a ride home from Tracy, they were going to go smoke some pot, she didn't like his pot, so she then left. James was eventually allowed to go home, but he remained a suspect not only in the eyes of the police, but also in the eyes of Tracy's father, Joe. So when Joe heard about James and his connection to Tracy's last known movements, he started mapping out all the possible routes that Tracy could have taken from the tap room to James's house, and then he went to those areas and posted flyers. Joe also went around to all the bars that Tracy was known to frequent and showed her photo to the employees there, but nobody said that they had seen her. Two days later, on May the 29th, detectives brought James back in for more questioning, this time keeping him there for 12 hours and subjecting him to a polygraph test, which supposedly he failed, but we've given our opinions about right. polygraph tests, right or wrong. They may or may not be reliable in any case, including this one. So James ended up asking for an attorney after he failed the polygraph, and so that interview ended, and he was not taken into custody that day. Next, bloodhounds and cadaver dogs were brought in to try and track Tracy from the location where her car was found, but the dogs were unable to pick up her scent, which led the handlers to start theorizing that Tracy maybe never was even in her car at that location, so perhaps the car had just been dumped there by somebody else. The dogs were taken around the area surrounding James's home as well, but they didn't find anything there either. Tracy's car was checked for DNA, and although they did find some in the back seat, they weren't ever able to find a match for it. At this point, the detectives working the case were very suspicious of James, but they didn't have enough to arrest him, so they kept investigating other possible leads. So while looking into Tracy's past, they learned that a few days after Tracy disappeared, a letter actually showed up at the Ocasio home from the state attorney's office. So this letter was actually informing Tracy that the office was filing misdemeanor battery charges against a man named Paul. And Liz says, you know, she doesn't know anything about someone named Paul or who he was or even what the charges are about or what they have to do with Tracy, but she hands the letter over to the detectives. The investigators, though, immediately recognize Paul's name. He was actually no stranger to them. In fact, he'd actually had many run-ins with law enforcement. So detectives soon put all the pieces together, and according to Tracy's friends, prior to her disappearance, Tracy had this run-in with Paul's girlfriend at the Florida Tap Room. After this confrontation, Paul and Tracy have some sort of a confrontation outside the bar. So during this confrontation, Paul shoves Tracy to the ground. Tracy then calls the police and says, yes, she does want to press charges, which the state attorney's office ended up agreeing to do. And that's when they sent the letter informing Tracy of these charges. So this could be huge in this case. And they bring Paul in for questioning. 
and he's questioned on May 30th, but he denies any involvement in Tracy's disappearance, and he provided really an airtight alibi for where he was during the time that Tracy went missing. Investigators decided to check to see if there was any sort of connection between Paul and James Hathaway, and to their surprise, there was actually a little connection there. Paul's family owned a shoreline cleaning business, which James had previously been employed at. However, phone records showed no recent contact between the two men, and Paul was eventually ruled out as a person of interest, although he was not completely forgotten about. Tracy and James's phone records were also compared, and they found that a call was made from Tracy's phone at about 4.30 a.m. on May 27th, and her phone actually pinged off of a tower near James's home when she made this call. Her phone pinged off a tower near his home again at around 8 a.m. when Liz called Tracy's phone to see where she was at that morning. So the timing of these pings are really important because James told authorities already that Tracy had left his house at 2 o'clock. So he would have some serious explaining to do when it came to why her phone was still in the same area many hours later. James did become an official person of interest, but he still wasn't labeled a suspect at this point. On June 1st, detectives carried out a search warrant on James's home. The hope was that they might find something that belonged to Tracy, such as maybe an article of clothing, her keys, her wallet, or even her cell phone. Unfortunately, they didn't find any of those things, but they did find a marijuana bong, so they arrested James on possession of drug paraphernalia, and they also were able to seize his computer and search the hard drive. The results of that search revealed that James had spent several hours between May the 30th and May the 31st, so this is a few days after Tracy has gone missing. He um, searched for several hours over those two days about the topic of how to commit suicide. Since there were no other suspects in Tracy's disappearance, James's arrest made the news, and within just five minutes of his photo being shown on television, the Ocoee police got a call from another woman who we'll refer to as Christy. Christy told them that less than a year earlier, on August 7th, 2008, she had a horrifying experience with James. He had actually brutally attacked her in Seminole County, which is just the next county over. Christy had gone to the police, and James was a suspect, but he was never arrested. Christy explained that she actually knew James prior to him attacking her. They were what she would consider friends. They had both gone to a party at another woman's home. They didn't go together to this party. They just both happened to be there. And at some point, the other people at the party started accusing James of going through women's purses. And also they were accusing him of trying to steal steak knives or silverware, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, That's very specific, though, where it makes me think, yeah, no, that's that's probably happened. Yeah, it probably did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, James was asked to leave this party, and one of the mutual friends that James and Christy knew asked if Christy could just give James a ride home. And so Christy says, yeah, sure. So according to what Christy told investigators, after they pulled into James's apartment complex, he was actually not living in Ocoee at this time. He was living in Seminole County. James invited her to come inside and smoke marijuana. Christy said, you know, no thanks. She wanted to go ahead and get home. So she gave James a hug while they were sitting in the car before he got out, just a goodbye thing. But James didn't let go of her. He just started squeezing Christy tighter and tighter to the point that it started to really hurt. And so she started saying, you know, stop, this hurts. But James still didn't let her go. And so she started struggling until she was finally able to break free. And then James lunged at her again and put her in a chokehold and continued to just squeeze her. 
So Christy managed to escape from the car, thankfully, and went running down the street screaming for help. While she was running away, Christy tripped and fell, and James was right behind her. He grabbed her by the hair and started slamming her head into the curb while saying things like, don't make me kill you. And he started trying to twist Christy's neck, which she later said felt like he was trying to break her neck. Oh my gosh. Thankfully, though, neighbors heard Christy's screams for help and came outside. Christy was able to break free, and James ran off while Christy went to a neighbor's house to call 911. But of course, by the time the police arrived, James was long gone. Christy was left covered in bruises on her neck, scratches and scrapes on her face, back, hands, arms, and knees, and it was very obvious that she had been attacked. One neighbor, named Karen, told officers that she recognized Christy's attacker as being James Hathaway. So Karen and her boyfriend had both witnessed the attack, and while the boyfriend said he didn't recognize the perpetrator, he did say that he saw that the man, quote, had a woman suspended in the air with both hands around her neck, end quote. So Michael runs outside and helps Christy and then brings her inside to safety. Christy tells the man that her attacker was named Jimmy Hadaway. Over the next few days, police try to find James, but they could never locate him. Paperwork was filed with the state attorney regarding the attack, but James was never charged or arrested. The chief assistant state attorney later said they didn't file charges because Christy failed to respond when they reached out to her for help. After the officers investigating Tracy Ocasio's disappearance heard about this prior attack on Christy and the likelihood that James Hathaway was responsible, they thought they were for sure on the right track thinking he had some involvement in Tracy's case too. One detective even said, quote, the incidents were too similar, both young girls, attractive girls, giving this guy a ride home, and one got away and one didn't, end quote. Tracy's dad, Joe, said that after he heard about what happened to Christy, he thought James had attacked Tracy in the same way, but she wasn't able to escape and he killed her. So in light of Tracy's disappearance and with Christy coming forward with her story, the Seminole County authorities reopened the case into her attack, and James was extradited to Seminole County where he was formally charged with attempted murder, aggravated battery, robbery, and burglary with battery. He faced a life sentence if he were convicted of these crimes. Tracy's mom, Liz, attended every single hearing in this case, and her dad showed up when he could. By this time, the media had really picked up on the story of Tracy's disappearance and the link that she had to James. And before long, investigators were contacted by another woman who we'll call Hannah, who also had a scary encounter with James in or around June of 2008. James had asked Hannah for a ride home, but once they were inside of her car, James pulled his pants down and tried to force Hannah to perform oral sex. So Hannah refused and just went back inside the bar that they were at, but she didn't call the police to report that incident. With the story picking up in the media, it also became public knowledge that James had this connection with the other missing person, Chris George. The officers did interview James again in regards to Chris's disappearance at some point after Tracy disappeared, but it's not really clear what exactly he said about it. And he was never charged in Chris's disappearance, um, but that's not the end of the story there. So we're going to actually get into a little bit more of that after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Do you find crime podcasts to be a little too murdery? 
Then take a break from all things heavy and get petty. Join us, Amanda and Trevin, as we share killer facts, dreadful dilemmas, and tell real-life petty crime stories in the style of an audio drama. There, sprayed all over the aisle floor in eight display wigs, was a fresh pile of poo. Listen to Live Laugh Larceny on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about the attack on Christy. We're talking about the other girl, Hannah, that came forward to say that James had either attempted to or had attacked them and kind of putting together that James really seemed to have a history of attacking women and how Tracy could be another victim of his. So on June 3rd, about a week after Tracy was last seen, a massive search was launched that included the use of canine units, horses, four-wheelers, dive teams, and more. But unfortunately, no sign of Tracy was uncovered during the searches that day. On June 10th, a team of searchers looking through the wooded area where James was known to dump his yard debris, it was this 200-acre property near Popka, but... Uh, They apparently searched there, but it doesn't seem like they found anything noteworthy there either. In late June, Tracy's parents told the Orlando Sentinel that they were feeling frustrated by the lack of answers. They were scared and said they had no clue what might happen next. Joe said, quote, we hold hope for a miracle, but all the circumstances tell us that something's happened to her. I hope and pray to God that's not the case, end quote. A short time later, someone calls the police to report that they saw something suspicious while driving to work in the early morning hours of May 27th. The person said that they saw a bright yellow vehicle parked on the shoulder but facing the opposite direction of traffic. The car was off the side of the road with its headlights on in a rural area near Lake Apopka. Side note, all these lakes are really in the same area. There are tons of lakes in Florida. They're all named Really, no matter how big or small. Yes. It's true. There's a there's a lake at the end of my street that this street is actually named after this lake and it doesn't even exist. It's dried up. It's a dried up lake. So I'm like That's so funny. (laughs) I never even put that together. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) There's lakes everywhere here. Yeah. Just it's wild. Or non-lakes, apparently, in your case. (laughs) So on August 5th, authorities conducted another ground search for Tracy, and this time it was focused on the wooded area near Lake Apopka. On that day, Tracy's mom told the Orlando Sentinel, quote, hopefully they will find her today. I'm so ready for that. You're never ready to find your daughter deceased, but I'm really ready for this chapter to be over, end quote. Tragically, though, they did not find Tracy that day. August 10th was Tracy's 28th birthday, and her parents announced that they were offering a $5,000 reward. And this was in addition to a $5,000 reward already being offered by Crimeline for a total of $10,000. A few days later, a local periodontist put up another $10,000 for a total of $20,000 in exchange for information leading to solving this case. The Ocasio family was so beyond thankful for this generous donation from this periodontist. On August 22nd, there was a potential break in the case when the sheriff's department found a woman's black boot near State Road 50 and Blueford Avenue while they were doing routine horseback training exercises. This area had already been searched because James Hathaway was known to frequent this area, but the boot did match Tracy's shoe size, so her family and friends were asked to look at it to see if whether or not they believed it was Tracy's. The boot was made out of a specific material, so it wasn't like a random generic black boot. 
And Tracy's father was really confident that this boot did belong to Tracy, and so was another one of her friends. The friend said the boots looked just like the ones Tracy kept in her vehicle. They were one of her favorite pairs. And this friend said, you know, I'm 99% sure that these are Tracy's. So the boot is sent off for further testing, which we'll get back to later. A cadaver dog is brought into the search area where the boot was found, but unfortunately, the dogs did not alert to anything. A specialized group was brought in to search multiple areas on August 29th and 30th, but these searches also turned up no new leads. By September 1st, the results of the testing from the boot were back in. And sadly, they weren't able to recover enough DNA off the boot to determine who it belonged to. By late September, the Ocasio family was trying their best to come to terms with the fact that Tracy might not ever come home. They began the process of trying to heal and just move forward. Liz gave Tracy's rings to her closest friends and cleaned out the bathroom shelves, but she couldn't bring herself to go through Tracy's room or her clothes. And she said that while she had accepted it with her head that she might not ever see Tracy again, she just couldn't accept it in her heart. Meanwhile, as Ocoee detectives were searching for Tracy, Seminole County detectives were putting together their case against James in the attempted murder of Christy. A former girlfriend of James was tracked down and interviewed, and she told them that James had actually called her on the night of Christy's attack, and he told her that he had gotten into a fight and needed a ride. So this woman picked James up about half a mile from where the attack on Christy happened. And remember, where the attack on Christy happened was actually right where James lived. So can't go back there. So he told this other woman he can't go home, and she ended up taking James back home with her right after he has attacked Christy so viciously in the street. So it was about a month later that James finally actually told the other woman what really happened that night, which I don't even know how you get into that conversation. Like, how did you, how did he break the ice with that? Like, oh, by the way, that night you picked me up for a ride. I just beat a a completely innocent woman and left her in the street. Like what, how did you even get to that conversation? It's just wild to me. Yeah. So the investigators also learned that a very distinct ring that was made of steel and it had these markings with this unique pattern on it um, was found in Christie's car, and the ring was confirmed to have belonged to James. So all of these details helped solidify the case that they were building against him for attempted murder. In early May of 2010, as the anniversary of Tracy's disappearance was looming, a group searched for her again in areas that hadn't been really thoroughly searched before, but... Once again, they weren't able to find anything. At the end of May, near the one-year mark, Liz and Joe told the Orlando Sentinel that the only thing they really had to cling to was the hope that Tracy would be found one day. Her dad, Joe, said, quote, I dread that day. It's a double-edged sword, like someone slicing your heart. I feel like in these cases of missing persons, that is definitely the most gut-wrenching and heartbreaking part of it all is that they have no – these families have no, no closure. They don't – you know, and, and especially when you want to hold out hope that, you know, that you're, someone you love isn't gone forever. And so – but without that closure, like it's just – I can't imagine just every single day living like that. Living in and limbo. Wake, right, exactly. So on May 26th, Ocoee detectives announced that James Hadaway was the only suspect in the case. Further, Sergeant Mike Bryant said, quote, We believe Hadaway did it. He is suspected of killing her. So not only are they finally saying that he's a suspect, but they're also officially saying that they no longer believe Tracy is alive. Yeah. 
Although James still didn't face any charges, it was now public knowledge that the investigators did believe he was guilty of murder. In June of 2010, more ground searches took place and a dive team searched for Tracy, but they found nothing, and these searches continued into August. In mid-September, James's defense attorney in the case of attempted murder of Christie asked the judge to order the prosecution to turn over all the evidence that was collected by the Ocoee police during their investigation into Tracy's disappearance. So it's kind of interesting because there's really no reason for that. Right. James isn't on trial for Tracy's disappearance. He's on trial for attacking Christie, which is a totally separate case. He wasn't even on trial for this in the same county that Tracy disappeared in. So what does he want That's those wild. files? Yeah, why do they need those that information? So, of course, the judge denied the request and nothing was given to James or his attorney. Days later, the judge even went a step further and ruled that nobody was allowed to bring up Tracy or James's other missing friend, Chris George, or talk about their disappearances at all during the trial for Christie's attempted murder. So can't bring up these other two, these other cases that he is involved in, which the prosecutors weren't really even shocked yeah. or phased by this. It's pretty much standard protocol and kind of they expected it anyway. So they didn't fight or argue with that. But that makes it even weirder that they wanted the records to that because knowing that they're going to fight to not have that included in the trial, why on earth would you – that's such a – like. Do that on your own time, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That's, That's just a rabbit a really hole weird... you go down. Yeah, on your own. That's a Reddit rad- rabbit right. hole for another day. <laughs> yeah. So months passed by, and in February of 2011, the same time as the two-year anniversary of Chris George's disappearance, James and his friend Tyler were publicly named as persons of interest in that case. By this time, Chris's mom and Tracy's mom had actually become friends, and they formed their own little support system. Also in February of 2011, investigators searched Lake Carter for human remains again. They were looking for any sign of Chris or Tracy, although they were pretty sure Tracy wasn't there since they had already searched it more than 10 times with nothing being found. Chris's mom and Liz were both at the lake while the search was being conducted that day, each of them hoping to finally get some answers. During this search, for the first time, several human bones were found. The lake was actually drained to allow the search teams easier access, and they found more bones and a human skull, which were all sent for testing. Sadly, the team also found Chris's wallet, cell phone, and jewelry, so it was assumed that the skeletal remains belonged to Chris. Later testing confirmed that this was true. Experts were unable to determine Chris's cause of death, but the medical examiner said that he, quote, surmised that Chris ran into the woods near the lake while being under the influence of drugs and drowned, end quote. The investigation into Chris's case stayed open, at least for the time being. More on that in just a bit. Finally, though, in March of 2011, jury selection began for James's trial in Christie's case. Although they wouldn't be presenting information related to Tracy or Chris's disappearances, Tracy's parents and Chris's mom still attended the trial. Prosecutors painted this picture of James as being a bad guy with a history of violently attacking women, and they asserted that James would have killed Christy that night if not for the neighbors who interrupted the attack. 100% true. For sure, yeah. One of James's former cellmates testified against him and said that James admitted to attacking Christy. James told the cellmate that he was choking Christy when someone else showed up and that he was glad they showed up when they did because he would have killed her. 
This same cellmate said that James often talked about how much he enjoyed choking women and said that a broken neck was like, quote, a broken stick in a sock, end quote. The star witness in the trial was, of course, Christy herself. She recounted what happened to her on the stand, and she stated that she was scared for her life. She said James would not let her go, and she felt like he was trying to break her neck. I cannot imagine Christy, just her experience with that. That's absolutely terrifying. The whole thing is so horrific. And knowing all the other things going around with him, alleged things that went around with him, and just realizing, I mean, thank goodness those neighbors were home and they came out. It just could have been a totally different story for her. Yeah. So for the defense, James's team admitted that he attacked Christy, but they alleged that he was drunk at the time and didn't have any intention of killing her. They did acknowledge that James should be punished for what he did. They were just arguing that the punishment should not be an attempted murder conviction. They wanted the jury to find him guilty of misdemeanor battery instead, which that's just so insulting to the victim. Like, I know that that's their job, you know, but it's like, My gosh, that's just another added layer of going through something like this is having, you know, their side try and minimize what happened. Mm -hmm. So James also took the stand in his defense and denied that he hurt Christy on purpose. He said, quote, I cared about her. I was not trying to kill her, end quote. James said that he was so drunk he couldn't remember most of what even happened. But from what he could remember, he gave Christy a hug and then she started screaming, stop, you're hurting me, and got out of the car and ran down the road. He said he then followed after her and found her on the ground and Christy started freaking out and screaming that someone was trying to kill her. So James told the jury, quote, I wanted to let her know I was not trying to kill her. I wanted to let her know everything was okay. But then neighbors showed up and said they were calling the police. So he says he got scared and took off running. He testified, quote, I was not trying to choke her and I never bashed her head in, end quote. On April 1st, the jury deliberated for a quick two and a half hours before returning with their verdict. James was found guilty of first degree attempted murder, burglary, robbery, and false imprisonment. Tracy's parents and Chris's mom were very happy with this verdict. Tracy's dad, Joe, said, quote, if there's any comfort, it's that he's behind bars and he won't destroy another family like he destroyed our family. James was sentenced on May 9th, 2011. The prosecution asked for a life sentence, which was the max possible punishment for first degree attempted murder, while the defense asked for 12 to 15 years in prison, followed by five to 10 years on probation. The defense said that the attack on Christie did not constitute a life sentence, and they alleged that the only reason the state wanted to put him away for life was because of Christie's attack and because he was suspected in Tracy's disappearance. At the end of the day, James was sentenced to life in prison, with the judge making it clear that the sentence was based solely on the evidence in the case of Christie's attempted murder. The judge said it had nothing to do with Tracy. Either way, though, the sentence was still a major win for Tracy and Chris's families. James would never be able to hurt anyone again. Liz said, quote, it's not justice for Tracy, but he can't do it to anyone else. Chris's mom actually said that she is not completely convinced that James is responsible for her son's death, but she does think that he played some role. After James was convicted, the investigation into what happened to Tracy continued and physical searches also continued. The Ocasios kept talking to the media about Tracy's case to keep the story in the public eye, which they continue to do to this day. 
May of 2022 marked the 13th anniversary of Tracy's disappearance, and her parents made this statement. Quote, This week, 13 years ago, we lost our precious daughter. During that horrible time of our lives, one thing that stood out to us was the kindness and support of our community, the Ocoee Police Department, and many others from around the state. From volunteering to search, donating water and food for the searchers, offering comfort, and more. We will never forget, and it gives us hope, end quote. That gives me chills to read and think about. In June of 2022, the Ocoee police chief said, quote, It is our hope to one day bring closure to this case and her family by finding Tracy or learning what happened to her. By bringing continued attention to her case, someone might come forth with the critical piece of information to solve her disappearance. No matter how inconsequential a piece of information might seem, it could be the key. Detectives have said the department plans to resubmit evidence from Tracy's case to see if new technology can pick up on anything. That is one thing I love about living in the future or, you know, like the more technology advances, like how these old things are being resubmitted now and they're finding stuff they couldn't find before because the technology just wasn't there. So as of this recording, Tracy's case remains unsolved. Foul play is suspected and James Hathaway remains the suspect in Tracy's disappearance. James has never been charged with anything in relation to Tracy's disappearance. Tracy's parents seem to believe James is for sure the person responsible for Tracy's disappearance. They are still desperate to find her and to bring her home. They and investigators believe someone out there knows where Tracy is. Authorities have said people don't need to be scared of James. He is behind bars now and he will remain that way. Today, James is incarcerated in Tomoka Correctional Institution in Daytona Beach. And just to recap, Tracy was last seen on May 27th, 2009 in Ocoee, Florida. The last person to see her alive was James or Jimmy Hadaway. And at the time of her disappearance, Tracy was 27 years old. She stood at 5'5 and weighed 120 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. Anyone with any information related to this case is asked to call one 800 423 tips. So Haley researched this for us and she did a great job as always. And she brought up the Jennifer Kessie case. And she said, I wonder if they've looked into the connection because there's a few years, you know, in between. And apparently they have looked for, for connection and and there wasn't one, but that's kind of what I thought because people that do these sorts of things or allegedly do these sorts of things tend to have a habit of doing the same thing over and over again. And, uh, especially, I can't remember the statistic now that we learned about choking women and how if you've choked someone, how much more likely you are to right. use a gun or whatever. I mean, right. just or to kill them wild. later. That's, I think that was the statistic. That if was you it. Have You're right. Choke someone. How much more likely that person it's is like to 52 murder? Fifty-two more times, right. or yeah. Oh man, I wish I had crazy. the statistic. Um, but yeah, just just wild. So he is behind bars, and and that's where he the belongs. The scariest thing for me, I feel like, about this story and about James and people that are like James is that from the stories that the other women were able to tell, nothing happened to trigger these attacks. Like, it was so random and just out of nowhere. And so, like, that's the scariest thing is that you could be sitting next to someone in a car and having no idea that this person is about to attack you in just a few moments. And like, right. That's absolutely horrifying to think that anybody can snap like that, you know, it can turn on you like to that level. It's just like so scary. Yeah. I found that, uh, 
that statistic because it just still blows my mind. Um, research has shown that once a perpetrator tries to strangle someone, they are 750% more likely to kill them with a gun later. And I think that's probably more in domestic violence cases that that right. statistic was taken from. But the same idea, like that's just such a precursor to, to further right killing further someone, violence, not right. just choking them. Yeah. Right. Very sad case, but I absolutely feel like it's a solvable case. Like they have their main suspect as DNA or as technology moves forward. We're seeing cases all the time be solved. So I have really hope for her family that they're able to get some closure. That's their word, closure, looking for closure yeah. um, in, in her case and find some peace. Yeah. All right. So are we ready to turn the page and move on to our last thing before we go for this week, Melissa? Mandy, I am. And let's explain last thing before we go, if we have any new listeners. Last thing before we go is kind of just something, it's a one-off. It's very different from the rest of our show. So if you're not into the lighter side of things, this might not be for you. But if you are, sometimes it's just nice to do something a little silly at the end after having um, a a heavier, heavier story. So Mandy, you know what time it is. It's It's time. time. For Love is Blind, what? season four. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm it's, excited. And it is good. So we'll it's talk good. about it a little here, but we're we're going to continue our conversation on Patreon, patreon.com slash moms and mysteries podcast. If you want to join us there, we're doing a live recap on Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Please join us there. Yes. Um, and all that information's on Patreon. Um, but Mandy... How much are you loving this season? I'm loving right off it. The bat. I'm loving it so much because there's lots of there's just a lot of like drama and mess already right out of the gate. I'm so excited. And like way over the top. Like there's stuff that's just like way over the top. It is wild. Um I feel like the first season had messiness to it. We had the whole Jessica of it all. And the second and third seasons felt very mild by comparison. They were, it was they very, were safe. Right. <laughs> yeah, everyone wanted to find love. The girls all bonded together and stuff. But here's the thing. In my reality TV, sometimes I do want that. Sometimes I'm like looking for a happy little medium. But other times I want like, I want revenge. I want anger. I want just nastiness. Just <laughs> as nasty and as catty as you can get. Like, I, I don't want one person to say I came here to make friends. You right. came here <laughs> to, make, to enemies. make good TV. That's what I want. <laughs> I'm here for TV. So Mandy, we'll quickly, if it works for you, let's go over the couples that we we find out. And like we said, okay. we will be doing more of this on Patreon, much more detailed. So um, do you want me to start with name a couple and you kind of give me your first? Sure. Okay. And we're going to keep track of this to see how our opinions change. I'm going to try and make a little thing to show like what our initial thoughts are of people and how our thoughts change. Yes. All right. Okay. Fine. Mandy, Jackie and Marshall. Wait, who are they? Hang on, I'm looking at pictures. Might have to of Google them. <laughs> oh wait, I got it. Okay. Um, okay. Love Marshall. I'm Love not, him. not sold on Jackie yet. I don't know. I'm still feeling out Jackie. I feel like we we're gonna get to see more. I don't know. We kind of got like a little snippet of Jackie where she yeah. like kind of had like an emotional moment, but about, you know, going back home and stuff like that. But like I don't know what that was really all about, or if I I don't I couldn't tell if that I was like a she's not really into him moment and realizing yeah. like that she kind of got in over her head or maybe she doesn't like the situation she got herself into. Couldn't tell if that was really what it was or if it right. was just genuinely like kind of like an anxious moment she was having. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about them. The jury is still out. I love Marshall though. 
I do too. And I feel like he might be not quite what she is going or I don't know if she is what he is looking for or needs. I think it remains Both to be the same with them. I don't hate them or love them at this point. I would agree with you. I I wonder if we're getting a Raven edit because I did not like Raven last time. Right. And, and like, then I, I ended up like liking her. So loving yeah, her. Yeah. yeah. So I felt like same way. Like it just I was like, I can't get a good read on you. And that's sort of how I felt about Raven last time. So I'm I'm jury's still out on that one for me. Marshall you seems had, really fun though. I loved how he I just love his whole personality. I would have a hard time believing he was a monster after what we've seen, but for we, sure. we've been proven wrong before. It's true. These yeah. people can be monsters. Mandy, if you had to decide right now, thumbs up, thumbs down, are they staying together? I'm going to say no. No. I'm going to go with you on no. Um, there's no way. They, no. Mm-mm. I'm going to say they no. They just, mm-mm. I don't think so. Okay, Mandy, I'm going to go to the next one. Let's go to, oh, how about this one? Brett and Tiffany. I love them. I yes. love them. They're- I had to go make sure I was thinking of the right couple. Yes, I love them. Honestly, I feel like they might be my favorite so far to start off the beginning. Totally. Um, I feel like I have the most hope for them. They seem like they're both genuinely looking for the same thing, and they seem to have really good connection with each other. So I'm excited for them and excited to watch what happens with them, and hopefully nothing dramatic because they both seem like really good people for each other. We need happy people. We need like a happy couple. You have like, to have one. To cheer yes, for. you have to have somebody. Exactly. You need somebody to cheer for. So that's what I'm both, cheering for. Yeah, and they're both in their mid 30s, so I feel like they've kind of gone through life a little bit and like know more what they want than maybe like some of the younger ones. For Sorry, sure, younger ones. Right. But yeah. um, I did adore Tiffany falling asleep when he was like, "Oh my gosh," sharing <laughs> his love with her. <laughs> I oh my gosh. loved it. I thought I felt like. Oh my gosh, I was so glad that he like moved on from that because I was like, yeah. oh no, like I felt so bad because he seemed so upset. And like he had every right to be upset about it, you know, but like stuff happens. I'm so glad and they moved past it. And they're drinking wine out of those I goblets know. all day long. Exactly. Like, and I don't know, I heard like one of them at some point, not during this necessarily episode, but somebody had said that they were in the pods together for like 10 hours. And I'm like, that's such a long day. Like, can you imagine just sitting no. around for and 10 talking hours about drinking your feelings? <laughs> I'd be running into a wall very know, quickly on that one. I'd be begging to go to sleep. Yes. So, what do you think about them, Brett and Tiffany? Stay I think together? Yes, I think yes. I'm a yes with them as well. Okay. So, so far, we're both voting the same. All right, Mandy, let's go to the next one. Hmm. Who do you want to go with? Zach and Irina. Irina. Um, oh, gosh. Micah and Paul or. Oh, Chelsea and Kwame. Chelsea and Kwame. What do you okay. think about them? So I really liked Kwame at the beginning. At the beginning, I wanted to like him. He seemed very personable, seemed very happy, easygoing. Chelsea, on the other hand, I did not I I would I I would not want how do you say this? How do you say <laughs> something really mean about somebody you've never met? Um, I just she's a lot for me. Like it, she's that a personality lot and energy would just be she's like me too. Like she, let's just take it down fifty notches. Okay, so my honest opinion is I think they're actually not terrible together because sure. I feel like they're both kind of into like that. Like I don't know exactly what the quote was, but I think she said something like she wanted to have a spiritual connection with her husband's body. And I was like, wow, yeah, okay. That's, 
Uh, I'm good, thanks. I I get it, but like, it just kind of reminded me, like, her personality reminds me, this is so awful, of um, the Meet the Parents, the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Reminds me Mm -hmm. of the parents, you know, and they're like sex therapists and stuff like that, like the mom is or whatever, and they're just like very open as a family like that. Like, that's how how I imagine like her being like, yeah, as like a mom and a wife and a grandmother. Like, I feel like that's exactly what you'd be getting. So, like, once I thought of her in that way, like, I can't like unthink that. So now, like, I just think of her like as this over the top like super new age like grandma figure even though she's not even old (laughs) (laughs) well also um who was she she was asking somebody if they had slept together and then when they said yeah she was like yeah 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 and then um she's like me too me too i'm like okay you just you did not care what her answer was you were just going to say yours she's very confident which i think is a wonderful thing to be i just don't have that much confidence and i don't and I definitely am not talking about my confidence. Right. So it's like sh- she's somebody who would use the phrase, we're building an empire, like yeah. just about like adding a kid, like having a baby. <laughs> right, like, right. This is our empire. <laughs> and so it's a little dramatic to me. But Kwame, not a fan of. I wanted to like him like early, early on. And then he just went in the way of so many of these dudes on this show where he's like super interested in another girl, but like right. they have a connection and he can't help their connection. And you're like- Come on. You think she's hot. We know you think she's hot. Right. We know you're into Chelsea or what not Chelsea. Not his fiance. He's into what's her face? Micah. Yeah, but like also I feel like you go on the show knowing that like there might be a chance that like you're going to see somebody else on there that you didn't pick that like you might have like given a, you know, second look at if you had a chance to like right. see them in person first. So like you go into it knowing that, but like that's part that's like the whole thing, right? That you pick your person not based on that. So like it's kind of ironic that like that's what all these people like not all of them every time. But you always have one that's always like, oh actually I chose wrong because now I've seen what the other person looks like. It's like you idiot. Like why would you go on a show called Love is Blind knowing that this is like a possibility. We're four seasons in. Right. You know what how this works. (laughs) Exactly. So that I like when they're like, no, 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 I still like with Chelsea. He's like, no, I really I'm I'm we are solid girl. We we are together. This is so good, blah, blah, blah. But then the way he talks about Micah is like, hang on, you don't sound quite as confident right. um, in your Chelsea thing. So speaking of Micah, let's go to Micah. Okay. Let's go to Micah and Paul. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Chelsea and Kwame, yay, nay. I'm going to say yes. You at are? Least, okay. I think they're going to stay together at least for a little while. I don't know about like a year and two from now, but I we're think saying we're saying wedding. Are they going to get married? I think yes, they'll get married. All right, I'm saying no. Okay, absolutely not. Let's see. <laughs> All right, so Chelsea, I'm sorry, Micah and Paul. Micah is awful. And Paul, and <laughs> I was going to say blonde, but um, yeah, no, awful is fine. Um, Paul is a scientist and he can't stop telling like you he's a scientist. Can I just say that? I hate, I, like, I hate is a strong word, but I don't like either one of them. I think Paul does give me the. He freaks me out. He reminds me of the guy from you. Like the Oh yeah. Like he really does. The main like, guy. Yeah, but he also but, has that same dry 
dry personality, which is like, I don't know, like some people do dry personality in a way that's funny and humorous. Like I have an uncle that I love dearly and he is the driest person, but like he's hilarious and not creepy. You know what I mean? But like this (laughs) guy. That is an important characteristic. Yeah. Not creepy. (laughs) Not creepy is very important. But like this guy is so like the way his dry personality is and he's so like monotone and boring and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I don't feel like they're a good match because of that because I feel like she's way too animated and like not in a good way, like necessarily, but she's too like, I don't know. I feel like you're not smart in a good way and you're not animated in a good way. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) No. And he like, he just wants to talk about science stuff all the time. And like the way he would analyze stuff to me would just absolutely make me also run my head into the wall. Yes. Just everything. Like if you're like, oh man, the sky looks ni- uh, great tonight. He would like tell you why the sky looks great and the Northern Star and what I don't even know right. what that is. But it would be a whole <laughs> thing where you'd be like, I just thought it was pretty. I don't really want to yeah. talk about this. Yeah. yeah so, per and he seems like I don't think he's like the most attractive person. He's fine, not like fine, but I he's don't fine. think she is very. She's not into him. She's but not I, into him. I feel like for scientists, he's good looking, and so he's like. <laughs> I'm a Mac Daddy. I mean, have you not seen? Sorry Bill to any he of you the out there that are guy. scientists. Then you might be one of the hot ones. I can't help it. I don't make the rules up. So anyway, this one, no. He. <laughs> so anyway, but the whole thing with these two is she like very much is not really into him, but like she's trying because you got to get your 15 minutes of fame, right? Yeah, and but you so, know who she's into. She is into. Kwame and yes. Kwame is into her for sure, a hundred percent. So I think she's just still on here to try and see Kwame on these like group outings. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. So what do you think about them? Yay, nay, nay. <sighs> Here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I think it could go either way. I think it could go either way. I. I you're going to say no? Okay. I'm going to say I'm going to say yes just to mix things up. Um because somebody else has got to get married on here. So I you're going to say no and I'm going to say yes on this one. Last couple. Oh boy. Satan herself. I this can't. is Zach and Irina. Mandy, what do you think? <laughs> Irina did, did it is... freeze? <laughs> I don't even know what to say about her and them. Honestly, so at first I really did not like uh, Zach at all. I thought he was going to be really annoying. I thought he was going to be like like super arrogant. You know, I thought he just wasn't going to be looking really for anything serious. Well, anyway, I've changed my opinion about that. Mm-hmm. And I do think that he actually is legitimately looking for someone that he can – share his like life with and everything. I think he actually is looking to settle down and get married. I definitely think he messed up his decision big time. (laughs) Well, so Zach was originally, he liked a girl named Bliss and he liked Irina. And Irina is a mean girl with Micah. She's so mean. Just like nasty. And like the part that makes me so angry about it, like it like, mm, it just makes me so mad. Really Is that she talks about how she was bullied because she had acne when she was younger and she has, she knows what it's like to be um, judged based on your appearance only. And so that was one right. of the reasons why she wanted to come on here and all this and that and show that, like, you know, her she has a wonderful heart and she's a wonderful person and whatever. 
That's why I she never wants saw to that do. wonderful heart. <laughs> I didn't see it one time. I still haven't. Okay. And like, Mm-mm. I'm not saying that Zach, I don't know. He had the pixie dust in his eyes, I guess. I don't know what. Something about her hooked him, I guess. And he saw a different side or a different, he had a different take on her than the rest of us did. But she is mean. She's mean to the other girls. She just is mean. She's very mean. He said she and was insecure. Beautiful woman. That's the thing. She's insecure, yeah. and that's where it all comes from. But that's where it comes from a lot of times with people. But yeah. like, this is a PSA. If you want to see like a real bully <laughs> in action, go check out Irina. She's mean. She's so mean. Zach did serenade her. I will say so. Right off and the that bat, was I funny. was like, <laughs> I, I, Mandy, I literally don't know what he said because I had to fast forward it. I cannot, simply cannot watch somebody singing to another person because their reaction is always like trying to enjoy it or like they're this is really good and you're like no it's not it's stupid and you know it yeah. and i hate it but i did see a tiktok where his sister was like we lost our mom oh he has like a hard backstory with like his mom she got hit by a drunk driver and yeah. that's how she died it was just so much and like you know somebody like them where people are like he's awkward he's weird i'm like well i think he's just kind of intense and kind of right had a little bit of a rough life but i get that it can come off like a little much, but right. I feel like he's actually a very nice person. Me too. Meanwhile, screwed up. He is still into Bliss, but Bliss told him regarding Irina, if you choose her, I know what kind of character you have or what kind of right. judge of character you are. A hundred percent. Right. He's terrible at judging character. And right. he's a criminal defense attorney, which made that even more confusing. <laughs> uh, I was like, and scary but, at the same time. Ruh row. Um yeah. So anyway, um, what do you think of them? I, oh, and she is actually into her friend Micah's science. Yeah, and her and Micah are supposed to be besties. So it's like these two mean girls are both mean oh, girling each, each other. Like they're stabbing mm-hmm. each other in the back. Like that's why it makes this season so amazing. Because, so good. It's because just, it's just so good. There's backstabbing. There's love triangles. Chaos and evil. And, yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing good. It makes me forget who I was even cheering for. So if you've not watched, we are – this is our way of doing a little recap here. But again, patreon.com slash moms and mysteries podcast. We are doing live recaps. It's going to be so much fun. I'm so excited. Um, And let you guys talk with us, right? They can chat to us. Yes, 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 yes. We'll have it. Yeah. It'll be chat and all that stuff. And if we can figure out how to do other things, we will. Awesome. But we are so excited. Yeah. Also, um, I don't think we mentioned it yet, but Melissa set up a Discord server. I have no clue how it works. I you keep were on getting there? I keep getting notifications saying that somebody popped in the server or someone mm-hmm. said something, but I can't figure out replying, reacting to things. I can't figure out how to Aww. switch uh, what what like from general to like the episode topic oh. discussion. Um, Okay, so you're thing. not selling this very good because I don't know how to use literally it. So anyway, no I one want people. Well, because I keep thinking like, and but then also we need more people to come in there and use it and talk, so then I can learn. I've yeah. only seen a couple things, so I haven't had a chance to really play around with it. So get on Discord. I have it set for notifying my phone, so I will be there eventually after I see the notification. <laughs> Truly, maybe the worst plug we've ever done for anything. <laughs> If you but want it's on Patreon more of as this, well. But on Discord. <laughs> yeah. So go to Patreon. All that information is there as well. But it's fun. It's, I don't know, Patreon's a little hard to navigate. Here I am doing a great job of 
talking about <laughs> Patreon. But sometimes it's it's great for listening to bonus episodes, which you can do there. Um, but it's a little difficult to write back and forth on there. So that's where Discord, I think, comes in handy. So we have a wonderful person, Abby, is helping us over there. I don't know how much she knows that she's helping us, but she's helped me. Um, so anyway, if uh, make sure you check us out there. Mandy, I think that, could, that should be all of our announcements for this week. What do you say? I think that's it. All right, Melissa, we'll be back next week. Same time, same place, new story. Have a great week. Bye.